1: under one minute remaining game basically over but before it ends the two sides get into a bit of a scuffle once it's broken up eagles head coach nick sirianni had some colorful words for the dallas Cylon. after the game sirianni said he was angry about the scuffle and he just wanted to stick up for his family
2: And you know, i was mad about the extracurricular activity and and, hey, I'm always going to stick up for our guys. You may have saw me in the Jets game this preseason, and they hit Jalen late out of bounds, and I reacted very similar. There's
3: a little scu- a scuffle right there, and I'm just, I'm just going to stick up for our guys. That's, that's just who I am. And the only
0: thing else I got to say is, how about them Cowboys? Yeah!
1: How about them Cowboys, indeed. Chance for the Cowboys to get back on track next Sunday against the weak little lionmen. Of Detroit, the Fighting Dan Campbells, will they have Dak or will they not? We'll talk about it on this episode of About Them Cowboys. Welcome into The Athletic. I'm Kent, pushing the buttons and joined by three of the best of the best when it comes to breaking down all things Cowboys. It's your stars, your first place stars beat writer and Cowboys beat writer, Saad Youssef, your Cowboys beat writer from The Athletic, John Mishoda, and your morning show host from The Freak one. On your FM dial, KT, Fun Tweets Turner. Hey, KT.
3: Hello, Kent. Hello, gang. And look, let's get down to business here because it's Lions Week. You know, that's when it all, that's when it really matters. We can all get ramped up about the Eagles. It's Lions Week. The darlings of the NFL heading into the season, the Detroit Lions, who are the stars of hard knocks and everyone's falling in love with Dan Campbell. And they're one and four. In fact, they're changing up the way that they do practice now, that things have gotten so stale up there in Detroit. Classic. But always fear the team coming off the bye week. Let's start with Father John Machoda. What is the latest in Cowboys country? Do you think we're going to be looking at getting our quarterback back?
4: Yeah, it appears that way. Um, from everything that Dak said after the game to Mike McCarthy saying yesterday that he will be cleared. Um and be out there on Wednesday practicing, and that's what Mike has wanted the entire time, is for Dak to have a full week of practice, and it appears that that time has come. I thought Dak looked pretty good in his roughly 50 throws before the game, and Jerry Jones said this morning he thought the same, so uh, everything seems to be headed in that direction, unless there's some type of a setback, or um, I guess maybe if he was just real rusty and looked awful in practice, maybe he wouldn't go then, but... Uh, this just sets up too perfectly. I mean, this is the worst defense in the NFL. Uh, you can probably be a little rusty and you'll still be able to take care of business in this one. So I think this makes a ton of sense uh, for Dak to uh, work his way back in this one and then have the bears the following week. And then you go into the bye week. I I think ultimately that the Cowboys got to be pretty happy with how everything went, considering where we were on this podcast after they lost the season opener 19 to three. And we knew Dak was going to be out. We thought at the time it was six to eight. Then the timeline moved to four to six and it's, right around six. So Matt in the middle there. So yeah, no, it seems like uh, he'll be ready to go for this one.
3: Yeah. It's it's very, uh, it's kind of strange even looking back how that whole month went, but you're right. Basically house money going into Sunday night's game. Doesn't go the way you want it. But I think my favorite thing about the post game podcast Sunday night, John, is you basically talking about the vibe of the locker room when you were in there talking to players. Um, You're kind of like, It doesn't seem like a team who was taking that loss too hard. Meanwhile, the Eagles are yelling, uh, their head coach is yelling, how about them, Eagles? And they're doing a a real big thing. It is almost like the thing of, guys, it's October. Can we just tone down? You beat beat Cooper Rush. I mean, the guys know. Like, while they love and respect Cooper Rush and what he was able to do, everyone in there knows what's going on and how dangerous this team can be with their quarterback.
4: Well, when we did that, podcast, keep in mind, I didn't know about really a lot of that stuff at the end of the game. For one, um, I'm I'm not taking shots at any stadium or any stadium workers or anything like that. But you do this long enough, you know, try and get on that elevator as soon as possible to get down. What happens at these stadiums is you're in the press box, you're probably one of the highest levels up. And what happens is, again, these teams only have about eight home games that you know, workers have to be there for. So what happens is you'll sometimes get a person that doesn't really know what's going on. And next thing you know, they're letting in people that are leaving uh, the third level to get down to their car when these things are supposed to. So anyway, long story short, you try and get down there as soon as possible. So I'm not seeing the TV copy of Sirianni yelling to the field or anything like that during that final minute and a half. So I don't see that. I didn't see the, you know, how about them Eagles thing. But with all of that being said, you have to add in there the fact that this is the guy that he tampered down any type of bulletin board material going into that game. Uh, I guess he admitted to the team. I don't know if he said this or a player's told the media this, but I guess it's come out there that he knew it was a mistake last year to wear that, you know, beat Dallas shirt that he did. Um, So there's just some clownish activity going on with him as far as I'm concerned. And this is not high school or college. And and I just think it fits with the Dan Campbell thing. In the pros, you can only do so much of that rah-rah bullshit because these are professionals and you're not really doing anything on the field. In fact, you're not doing anything on the field. And so you just got to be real careful with picking and choosing your spots, whether it's yelling to players on the field, whether it's talking about biting off kneecaps, because at the end of the day, these guys are the ones that are deciding it. And you keep saying that dumb shit all the time. If things start going bad players will start tuning you out and so uh I don't know it just seems kind of cheesy to me uh if anything all that stuff's gonna do is that will work as motivation for the Cowboys the next time they play the Eagles like I just don't I don't know it was just it was really it was really bizarre for a guy that all week all he talked about was how you know that we do this is just the next game so that's the most important and things like that it was just very very odd uh that all of a sudden then he was like trying to like dance around like he was this big like he like led this whole charge or something I mean, they won a game it's great it's week six like you didn't win the super bowl like i don't know it was really bizarre to me just because you don't see a ton of that from in the nfl i mean at least from the good coaches you don't
3: you wouldn't see it from mike mccarthy that's that's the truth but anyway you want to roll from off Jason the Garrett. roll off
4: the good coaches and tell me how many would do that uh none You know what it reminded me of a little bit? Thinking of the Lions, it reminded me of that after the game between the Lions and 49ers that one year when Schwartz and Jim Harbaugh were like getting into it. And I just, when I watched that in real time, I was like, this is so clownish to me. What are you doing? Like, yeah, yeah, you get your guys prepared. That's, this is what I'm saying right now. I would probably put at number one on my list of the things that I've learned most from covering an NFL team. Like players in the NFL really don't care about their coaches doing that stuff. They really don't care about their coaches guaranteeing wins, things like that. At the, at the end of the day, they're the ones that are going to win or lose this game on the field. So just be careful with how much credit you're taking for these certain things. It's, it's, it really is a league. It's all about the players every single week. Give me the best players over the best coaches.
3: Yeah. It's also like the second half is like the Cowboys kind of beat you pretty good. Yeah. I, now, some of that I, I was designed. surprised
4: by those actions at the end of the game is is what I'm getting at.
3: Uh, yeah, no, I, I was too. And and uh, it actually didn't strike me when I was thinking about that that you actually, yeah, wouldn't be aware of that because of what you were having to do for your job. Um, so after a couple of days of sitting on it, I don't know, it's still, it, it's, it's one thing I took away from it is the Cowboys' uh, vibe too, just like, well, because they didn't know about that at the time either. Their vibe was, dude, it's all right. It didn't we'll surprise get them me at all. It's,
1: yeah. philadelphia yeah they they were booking super bowl tickets the week before they even played the cowboys pete there and i agree with you you can't you can't say it's just another game and then after the game do that that's inconsistent and that's clown
4: material well and then there was also i mean i understand there was some pushing and shoving at the end of the game and and jason kelsey is involved and that's you know that's there's zach martin i i totally get yeah. that um but when I, they show that video of him yelling, I mean, I just, it goes back to the thing that we talk about amongst reporters all the time when we joke about stuff like this. We're like, who, who are, what are you doing out there? Yeah. Who are, who, okay, just straight up, straight up fist fights. Are you winning a fight against anybody else? Like maybe the kicker and punter and you're probably not winning those? who are you yelling to? What are you going to do? You're not doing anything, Nick Sirianni. Like, what? Are, who are you yelling at? Like, I don't know. And the you're idea dying. that that's going to like fire up your team, like, do you see Sirianni, man? He was yelling over at Tristan Hill. What? It's like, just so dumb. It, honestly, you know what it reminded me of is is you know you guys have probably heard there's there's a lot of bad blood between Michigan Michigan State fans because Michigan calls Michigan State little brother. Doing something like that was a very little brother reaction. Is my was my takeaway of it. Like
1: what? got a little fake Chris Richard energy. Yeah, like, yeah, that's kinda, a good one. That's kind of kind of keep yourself out of the personal conversation with the players. Yeah. Like you don't need to be yelling onto the field at other players or the t- the other team. As, a fan, go there. as yeah. a
4: fan, I used to think that stuff was kind of cool. And maybe if I didn't have this job for the last 10 or so years, I pro- maybe I'd think differently. But I'm just, after you've been in the locker room for several years, you know that the players are, man, I ride for Sirianni, man. Do you see him yelling? Do you see him yelling? Like, what? Nobody yeah. said, <laughs> said no one ever.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. And also, I think the more you kind of look around in the business and in the industry, you see guys like the most respected guys, Bill Belichick, Bill Parcells. Um, you know these kind of coaches that come from it, like the the way that you earn your respect by the with the players is not by being all rah rah, being one of the guys. Um, and sure, every now and then it can happen, but I think you know there's an expiration date to that stuff. But when you look at the successful coaches, um, it's even even Mike Tomlin, who's probably the closest that he's even not that way. So uh, when you talk about successful coaches, it's more about what you do, um, you know, to prepare your players, not about being one of the players.
4: And, and and again, I, let me just bring it back to one more thing because I did I did use the uh, uh, Michigan Michigan State analogy. So for the last twenty years, you know, Michigan has been Ohio State's little brother, and this just had a lot of vibes of the Ohio State Michigan game this past year, where it's like Ohio State has been doing whatever they want against Michigan. And going into that game, Harb Jim Harbaugh doesn't want to say anything. Doesn't say anything. He's even asked about some stuff he said at media day, where doesn't say anything. Doesn't say anything. Just keeps it. Then after they win the game, which again. Wow, you've won one now in the rivalry of like the last twenty. It, I mean, it's an it's an embarrassing one-sided. It's not one to twenty, but it's embarrassing one-sided. And in the post game, Jim Harbaugh goes, and obviously he was talking about Ryan Day and saying some people were born on third and think they hit a triple, and that's fine. <laughs> but say something with your chest before the game starts. If you're going to be the right. guy that says yes. it, after, go ahead and say something while before the game. Let's let's just yeah. really let's do this. Let's be man, cocky guy. Say it all before the, time. the game. Yeah, I'm good. Say with Say it that. before the yeah. game. Yeah. But if you're gonna and, and, and that's fine. If you feel that way, that's fine. But when the game ends and then you say stuff like that and then you do those things like that, you're just kind of like, I don't know like who. And I'm, I mean, I, I can't speak for anybody. I'm just saying me personally, if I had a boss or something like a manager to act that way, I'd be like, who's this fake tough guy? Like, what is this? Like, I don't understand where that would be motivation for anyone.
2: Yeah. To your to your Ohio State, Michigan analogy, be Scott Bell. Don't be Jim Harbaugh. Be, right. Be Scott go. Bell. Right. Like, <laughs> like talk your smack. Before and after, right.
3: but don't just do it after. You know, the Cowboys do, and I don't know, this might have been just uh, here. I've answered a bunch of questions and I'm finally given in. But, you know, DeMarcus Lawrence did provide a little bit of bulletin board material going in. But
4: Yeah, he's the only you know, one that did.
3: He's the only one that did. And and it didn't strike to me as, um, they, that came off as like a five or a six on the Tank level. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that, <laughs> well, that, that wasn't like one of Tank's best quotes. You know, we've seen him... Uh, go a little harder than that so
4: I tried to track as much of that stuff as I could last week and the only thing I would say that even came close from the Eagles side was just on on a radio interview in Philly when Jason Kelsey just described the difference between a Philadelphia sports fan or a, a Eagles fan and a, and a Cowboys fan and I honestly thought it was pretty close to being spot on I, I agreed with a lot of it that was about it I I, I kind of found it funny that Jalen hurts was Barely, I don't even want to count this as a full, I'm going to say a barely Cowboys question during his media availability. Because you know, a lot of the the star players generally Mm -hmm. just talk once a week. And I watched his entire interview and, and he was asked like one half question about like the Cowboys. And it was something more about how, I think it was along the lines of rivalries in college and comparing it to, you know, the rivalries in the NFL. And if it's any different. And he gave just a one word answer. I can't remember what it was. It was like, no, it's no different or something like that. There was no other Cowboys questions or anything about, you know, how big this game will be for them, right? It was just, there was nothing coming out of there. And so you just kind of look at it as like, yeah, they won and they were at home and Cowboys didn't have Dak, So here we go, you know, but then the after you're like the sticking out of the chest, I'm just kind of like, wait, what? Okay. If you say so.
3: Yeah. Health will definitely play a factor, but this week 16 game, I think will be way different. Just, you know, assuming uh, all sides or even and Uh, who knows who's playing for what at that point now.
4: And honestly, uh, I would have had a problem if he acted, if anybody acted that way after the game, if the first half carried over in the second half. And it was something where it was like 40 to to six or something. But it got tense there in the fourth quarter, to say the least. You know, there was there was a lot of sitting down that happened. We'll say that.
1: You know what? Shout out to D-Law, too, for playing with that swagger. I was surprised and, he said that. And, when, and in for, the moment when he was saying that carrying stuff, carrying that energy, they carry that energy into the game. They're like, you know what, we're awesome, and we're going to yeah. play awesome. You know, I love that energy, and and I think that's uh, the leadership that they need. And I love it for tweets and things like that. Don't get me wrong. But at the moment when he
4: was saying some of that stuff, I was like, you know, that's later in the week. I'm like, eh, no one's really saying anything from the Eagles' side, so I'm sure that this is going to, hmm. this is going to have some some traction to it, and it did uh not that anybody specifically mentioned anything after the game it's not like Jalen Hurts said anything after the game about or or that yeah. but you know that they obviously were made aware of, of his comments
3: and and again i says so yeah, i would much like to uh, take the and maybe the cowboys are taking this this way there's a scene in mad men on an elevator where john hamm basically says to a um a sub uh, uh, basically to someone who's just a little bit uh, lower than him on the totem pole, pole basically says uh, i don't think about you and I always think that was the vibe of the Cowboys after that game. Is like, look, we all know with our two eyes what happened there, and it's no offense, n- not a shot at Cooper Rush, but maybe if we don't throw three interceptions, and maybe if we do execute on a fourth and one, um, and maybe we challenge that, maybe we get the first down. You know, it's clearly a different game. So I think what you said was right. I mean, the second half went about as well as it could for the Cowboys, uh, all things considered. The game was shortened, and I do think the Eagles are a part of it. I think that's the Eagles' strategy. Shorten the game in the second half. I think they still have uh, concerns about how much their quarterback can throw it down the field, but that's not a shot at him. I, I think this is something that we're going to continue to see. I He's probably improved, but, dude, the number of possessions that they've had in the second half of these games is very uh, – to, to me, it just shows you that they're basically saying, we don't care if you run for five yards a carry in the second half we you got yeah. up by enough, it's fine. How do they play in a close game that's uh, not Jacksonville? That, that's How, about, how do they play know. if they're
4: from behind? That's, you know, yeah. that's the my way, biggest
3: question.
4: Yeah, the way that they've they played in these games so far, they're great with when they're out front to the point where they won the coin toss and they decided to kick to the Cowboys. I was kind of surprised because I know that that's what Mike McCarthy wanted. He wanted the ball first. He wanted to start fast because, generally speaking, that's what's happened with the Eagles. They've gotten out to these leads, and, and the way that they play, that's – that's perfect for them and that's obviously most what team doesn't want to have the lead don't get me wrong but specifically for that team to have to come from behind win by where you're probably going to have to throw a lot i don't think that's their recipe to let's say winning a super bowl you know they need to get leads they need to you know lean on that running game that they have and, and, and a strong defense. And and I think that that's the best recipe for the Eagles and a long season like this, you obviously, that's not going to happen every week. You're going to eventually they're going to have to play from behind. And, and I think we'll learn a lot about them when that happens.
2: Yeah. And I also think that it's not just Jalen hurts too. I, I you know, the, des, the play designs, the way that they were drawing those things up for Jalen hurts. What well, was fantastic. Like when you look at that uh, touchdown, um, I think it was to Smith, right? Where he had the, read option and and just the play design there was he's not having to make a lot of tough throws and if that's the case if that's how it stays that's fine but I think you know I, I give the offensive coordinators a lot of credit there too but I do think at some point especially especially if you're talking in the playoffs you're gonna have to do uh you're gonna you're, you're gonna have to come back against Tom Brady or you know maybe not Aaron Rodgers but you know someone you're gonna have to come back against so
4: I mean who's one big that all they do is scheme things up I mean, in the NFL, eventually you're going to have to yeah. win games with your quarterback putting on, on on his back, unless your defense is just clearing away the best in the league. You know, if we're talking about some of those old Ravens defenses or Bucs or something like that, it might be a little bit different. But for the most part, there's going to be a game or two along the way. If you're going to get to the top where your quarterback's going to have to win it with his arm, uh, you know, picking apart a defense at some point in, in the season, and that'll happen to them eventually. But yeah, the way things are going right now, I completely understand why they're they're all pumped and uh, you know, the city was rocking because obviously the Phillies are playing well. And I mean, it's just the perfect, that was the perfect recipe for that place because most of the time when we go to Philly, it's cold and it was a Sunday night game, good weather in the seventies. Like I said, Phillies are playing well. You can, you drink all day out in the parking lot. I mean, that place, I I went there four hours before the game started and it was hard to get like near the stadium. It was the perfect example. uh, And I don't think you, I don't think anybody hates the Cowboys more than Eagles fans. So you add that on top of the fact of, you know, Jason Kelsey in that interview said the very first thing he said about the difference between the two fans, he said, when you get to Philly, one of the first things that all Eagles fans will say is just beat the Cowboys, just beat the Cowboys. I literally, the entire time I've covered the Cowboys, I've never heard one player ever say that any fan has ever told them, just beat fill in the blank, whoever you want to say. Yeah. I've never heard a Cowboys player ever say
1: that. It's like That's the, because uh, the Texas OU thing. Right. Just be Texas, just be Oklahoma, and you're you can keep your job, kind of on that based on that. Almost, and part honestly. of part of
4: that is because there's no gray area with the Cowboys. You're either a fan or you hmm. or you really dislike them a lot, and so hmm. I don't think that they'll play in a tougher environment than they did Sunday night.
0: Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package high-speed internet service required terms and restrictions apply.
3: Yeah. So and moving ahead to Detroit here, uh, got the nooner, got us a Romo game again. So that ought to be fun. Um, the lions are bad. They're one in four. They are a terrible defensive team. Uh, by the way, it is a Tuesday evening when we record this. So definitely early in the week, a lot could happen down the road. Keep in mind if you're listening to this on Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday, uh, they are 4-18 and in the career of uh, Dan Campbell and their new GM, Brad Holmes. They are terrible defensively. They're about the same defensively as they were when Matt Patricia was here, which is bottom of the barrel, last in the league. So it is a good week. to If you're talking about maybe fine-tuning Dak and giving, giving him a game, well, you you definitely don't want him coming back against a good defense like the Bucs or something like that. Like, come back against Detroit. I, I don't know how disappointing it would be if the Cowboys were to lose this game how colossal would that feel compared to what's oddly some momentum coming off of a loss Sunday night in Philadelphia
2: it depends on how they lose I mean I don't don't think uh, like you know if they lose because you know it's just like some kind of weird things happen like like watermelon kick yeah, special teams touchdowns and like you know, just some weird circumstances take place. Like okay, like like you know, fumbles. Like if if there's just a ton of fumbles or you know something fluky like that. But I think you know, I think if it's and, and even if Dak looks rusty, like even then, like it's fine. But I think if you just straight up head to head get beat, then then it'll be a little concerning.
4: This is the worst defense in the league. Even if Dak looks rusty, if they can't run the ball on the Lions whenever they want, I mean there's something really wrong there. Now, I, th- I think the I think what could happen is the Lions are able to score a couple touchdowns on this on this defense. The Lions can score points yeah. and let's say maybe they get into the 20s and and the Cowboys win, let's say 28-20 or something. I could see some people thinking, "Well, you know, what happened here? This is an awful Lions team. How I mean, they just got shut out by New England. How are how are you not shutting them out? You know? I just don't see it happening because I think this is a perfect storm for the Cowboys in several areas. One, they're back home. Uh two, uh, Dax coming back. Uh three, they're playing against just the worst defense in the NFL, a run defense that's probably worse than how bad the Cowboys run defense was two years ago. Just awful. Um, and then and this is might even be the biggest thing of all. The Cowboys' defense did not play up to their standard. There were too many missed tackles. Genu- generally, when that happens, you're harping on that all week. It'd be one thing if they came out of the Eagles game and the defense played great, but there was the three turnovers and whatever. Maybe they're still feeling great about them. I don't think they're going to be feeling great this week. I, I think that they'll uh, They'll be locking it down. And I, you generally... You don't see from week to week a team have a bunch of missed tackles, and then all of a sudden the, the next week they have a bunch of not, – not from a good defense. You're not going to see that. I think they clean that up, and so I, that's why I don't think that the – I don't think the Lions will score a bunch on them, and so I think it'll be a pretty comfortable win.
3: Yeah. And I think oh, like, hey,
4: real quick on, on, on yeah. Romo. What would you think about those Dick Ebersall comments? You guys see those?
3: Dude, I did see that, and Man. I'm glad what you said say? that because um, – I'll read it
4: aloud. Romo said <laughs> yeah, about Dick
3: Ebersall or vice versa? Oh, vice versa. I've got Romo okay. thoughts.
4: Here we go. <laughs> Dick Ebersole was on the Chris Wallace uh, show on HBO. It's called Who's Talking to Chris Wallace? And Dick Ebersole, who, uh, long time, you know, NBC TV executive. I mean, he's probably one of the biggest names in TV yeah. uh, behind the scenes. And I feel like even, even though he does most of his work behind the scenes, I feel like he's even a guy that most people would know if they saw his face. But anyway, he said, and I quote, I've known Tony Romo since he first got to the pros. He's an unbelievably engaging guy. He should have been a terrific, great broadcaster. But something's happened since he got into that chair. <laughs> and it doesn't seem like he's into it. Like he was on his way up. He does not seem to be the story storyteller that he should be. The thing that makes Al Michaels great, Joe Buck great, and all these guys are they're really, really good storytellers. And Tony has gotten further and further away from that, I think. And one thing I'll say about that is I don't think you need to compare Tony to L. Michaels and Joe Buck because he's a yeah, former Dick. player and he's not a uh, color commentator. He's, he's a not a play-by-play play guy. guy. Yeah. So anyway, uh, basically, he was saying that uh, this is somebody who should be an announcer for the ages, but clearly has lost his passion for it. Well, later in the day, somebody circled back up with Dick and uh, he tried to you know walk it back by saying in a statement, Tony Romo is like a son to me. I am truly the, his biggest fan on and off the field. As a fan and a producer, I've always been known to offer up unsolicited notes. But this time, after a long day of interviews, I went too far and frankly said things that I do not believe
1: and simply are not true. <laughs> oh, my gosh. He got a call from Tony.
3: Pissed. He's, sure. okay, so I, I think Tony is good. Like, Bills and Chiefs, I thought Tony was good except for the one wild-ass thing he said at the end of the game. Good Lord, dude. What? In the world. There's no
4: way whatever you're about to say was wilder than what Collinsworth said
3: during the. Uh, no, 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 no. That was a, that was real shocking. But uh, but it's it was a situation. I thought Tony was good the whole game, and I thought he was engaged. I think when you have these issues with Tony, it's when it's Colts and Raiders, and yeah. he just doesn't care. You know? I agree, and I yep. and I get it. I think he would care more if he was in the NFC. I truly yeah. do but this this um the i thought it was great until the end where the bills got the ball back after that interception and they're on the chief side of the field and he throws out the idea that the bills should take a safety and i was like they're going to run 70 yards the other way and take a safety what the hell are you thinking
2: <laughs> yeah, but you know he corrected himself after that. Like he when they were taking the snap, he like threw in a quick remark there cuz I think he thought they were on the other 20 or whatever. And so he and and so right, right when they took the snap, he was like, "Oh, well, they're not going to take a safety obviously." And so he did kind of pull himself back. Well,
4: I do want to well, see that this, uh, now. This I do want to see though. somebody run 50 yards for a safety. <laughs>
3: This happens Can we a lot. Make that happen? it, Bold strategy. It, it, that would be funny. Would, he, he is right that it would run the clock out. Um, but the, the he does do this a lot where in critical game management situations, sometimes he will either not give a, an answer of what they should do or he will say both things at once in a panicked voice. And I'm kind of like, I know you know what to do. I know you know it. Do it. But I think sometimes he even won't commit to it. And I just don't think the give a crap is there the way it was in year one. Hey, by the way, he called the game 24-20 before the game. You know, he yelled yeah. that it would be 24-20. to <laughs> But, you know, he conquered the broadcasting world in year one or year two. I get it. Like, what else is there for me? You know what's tough to conquer? Golf. It's tough to conquer golf. And that's what he's still working on. That is just amazing to me. And I thought Ebersole's comments were like, we're all kind of thinking this. I think Tony's great. I still think he's fun. I think the you never know what you're going to get. I mean, that's part of it is the unpredictable nature of it. But how is he in a game? Like, if replace the Cowboys with the uh, the the Vikings, and it's Vikings and Lions, and he's got this game. Right. I bet you're not getting the most fun, um, riveting version of Tony Romo every week. The, think- other thing yeah, that also- factored, the other
4: thing that factors in real quick is just that we all know what he makes. If you didn't know what he made, you probably wouldn't care. But then you see that price tag, and you're just like, Okay. Well, I don't care if you're calling a peewee football game. You need to be into it for that for that amount of money. I mean you're making money like a player to call these games, basically. Yeah.
1: Yeah, So that's the only part.
2: I also think it's just the, the general style that whatever, whoever takes. Like I don't think Troy ever got old for me. Like Troy has always been good because he takes a very direct approach. He doesn't he doesn't pull back like Tony's, st- like, he's still scared to talk about certain things yeah. from his playing days. And you can just tell that yep. he's holding back a little bit. And I think, you know, that's when when you have all those different filters, that sucks a little bit more, too, where Troy doesn't pull any punches.
4: And, and maybe Tony will get like that the farther he's removed from... Yeah. From around coaches and players that he yeah. had played with or, you know, who had coached against him and things like that. Um, you know, I don't know. And maybe it is just one of those things. That, but I also want to point out, too, that you know, I've went back and I've watched some older Cowboys games for whatever reason, story I'm working on, I have no life, whatever. And believe me, if there was social media, even when when the great John Madden was calling games... People would be lighting him up, too. I mean, there's some stuff that he says when he starts circling stuff, especially food related. I mean, it would just be, you know, it, it it's it's KT would be burning an entire radio segment in the morning on it because it is there's just, you know, there's just things there where you're just I thought it was fun, you know. Um, yeah. But now that I said that, I'll tell you somebody who I don't know that Keith Jackson was ever like that. He's Keith Jackson's my all time favorite. Obviously I mean he did play more college football towards the end. I don't remember him ever doing much where you're like, what did he just say? He probably did, but yeah. I'm just saying, uh I've watched some John Madden stuff in the last few years. And I'm like, man, if that was today in social media, people would be going out in on this one right yeah.
3: now. Hey, and by the way, I'm glad like uh I and this is not a shot, trust me. I'm just saying, like, what I prefer, I'd give me Nance and Romo over Burkhart and Greg Olson, and I think Greg Olson's fine.
1: Yes. Yeah,
2: yeah. But Greg yeah.
3: Olson's not giving yeah. you anything dangerous. Greg Olson is giving you a very tepid, uh, rational. I actually thought Greg Olson would end up being a little more wild ass than he's been. Uh, I used to hate yeah. John Lynch games. Uh, I used to think John Lynch wasn't that great at that. Um, but like you know, at least at least give me a little something. And Tony does that for sure. Uh, I love I, Troy, I thought...
2: but I think Daryl Johnston is really good. I think. Yeah, I, think I, do, he's... I do too. I think he's awesome.
1: Yeah. Glad he got elevated. Yeah. Speaking of broadcasters, we never talked about Garrett's moments before the game. Uh, mm-hmm. KT and I were talking before the show, though, about Garrett because I I tuned into a little bit of Notre Dame game this past weekend for the first time, and Garrett was good at color. Like I was, I was pretty engaged by Jason Garrett, the uh, the color commentator. Can't say I'm quite engaged by. Garrett, the on-camera studio analyst guy, though, and um, this was the uh, the cringe moment that kind of started it off. Not even the one that really went viral on uh, with with Cowboys fans, but this is one for me that I was like, uh. I don't know. This defense is awesome.
0: Hey, 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 Rod, but it starts with 11. You don't have to know anything about football, and this guy leaps off the tape. You know why? Because he plays with ha. You know what ha is? Ha means ha. You used to play with ha. And and you'll see it. You'll see it all over the tape, and that changes it. He's been a transformative player for this franchise.
1: So Rodney's like, you played with ha,
3: and he's like,
0: yeah, yeah, Uh, I think, I guess.
3: He was out of the league.
4: I just remember, and Kent, you remember this, obviously. Jason Garrett had shirts made up that said, ha, in the front. H-A. Was it just H-A? Or was it an exclamation point? I think it was H-A with an exclamation point. I might have one, actually. I think it was, too. Um, and I remember him explaining it to us, and it was. It got the same reaction as I have right now, hearing that, because that's the first time I've heard that. I wasn't listening to that pregame. I it's mojo moment. Other things I it's was what doing it is. before the game. It's his but, mojo uh, moment name. Yeah. Yeah, that is. Uh, yeah, it just doesn't translate really. Uh, Don't ask
3: Jason Garrett to do be that the the guy on the field. The, How do you know anybody asked? That might have been well the free of charge. The the pre planned. Fly Eagles fly because there was a big moment where Maria Taylor and and Rodney Harrison are kind of leaning in and looking at the camera, waiting on Jason to say Fly Eagles fly. I never
0: thought I'd say this in my life, but Fly Eagles fly. Oh! It's such
3: cartoon. That's trash TV. That's trash TV. And that show's got 30 people on it. So we're going to swing it around. We're going to go to this studio and to the field and then back to this studio and then over here. And everyone's got 20 seconds. So be a cartoon character. Jeez, I wonder where that
4: comes garbage. from. It's almost like during the week there might be like, a you feel like some morning shows or something with like people that act like that and that other organizations are trying to take that and. Bring it into their way that they do their TV. I don't know wh- what I'm thinking of, but I just feel like we're seeing more and more of that across the landscape. And Howard Stern? What are you for, talking about? For the record, yes, yes, definitely. Yeah, <laughs> Wouldn- wasn't speaking about sports at all. And for the record, obviously, these shows that I'm talking about are successful, so people are watching it. I- I'm just saying, for me, I, I just I-, I can't even imagine watching that. You know, when when somebody will say, "Hey, you know." So-and-so said this on that morning show. I'm just like, yeah, great. I really don't care. Like, I don't watch any of that stuff, and I don't know how anybody does. But clearly, they're successful. And so because they're successful, other productions, sports-related, are taking things from that and trying to put it in. And 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 the thing is, is uh, I'm trying to think of a good one to describe. All right, like Pat McAfee. He might not be for everybody. But I'm going to tell you this right now. Pat yeah. McAfee is talented. And mm-hmm. so- yeah. There are certain things that he does. You can't ask Jason Garrett to do that, and I don't know that producers understand that. I think they feel like, "Oh, did you see? Did you see what McAfee did? Did you see what Lee Corso did? Did you see what Stephen A. Smith did? Did you see what Skip? Let's have our guy do that." And you're just like, Meh, "I really don't even like it when they do that." So I don't know how well it's going to come over when this guy does that, but I don't. I just don't. I don't know that that's the best.
0: I don't yeah. need
3: Pat McAfee jumping into a river on college game day and doing a wrestling speech every week. I, I, but I, right. but I, I get, I get what you're saying. Like, yeah. yeah, and his little. So, so when I uh, when I look at the the Lions, I uh, immediately. So DeAndre Swift is is hurt. He kind of their explosive player. What you said earlier about tackling kind of stuck with me for a second because Jamal Williams is a bigger running back, so you're going to have to deal with that. T.J. Hawkinson is a really good tight end. You have to deal with that. And then you know on the outside, Amon Ra St. Brown is turning into, you know, uh hey, here's a good question. Who would you rather have? Amon Ra St. Brown or C D Lamb? Uh clickbait. Let's go. Oh,
1: C D Lamb. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say Equinemia St. Brown. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, yeah Amon ex- Ra.
2: Yeah, okay. I'll go with C D Lamb.
1: Yeah, I mean the C D Lamb
4: is I believe is a top 15 wide receiver. I don't know that I would put Amon Ross St. Brown. In there. I think Amon Ross St. Brown is a good receiver. I think he has a good rapport with Jared Goff. I think he was a draft steal where they got him at. I don't know that he's a number one wide receiver. And I mean, you can be critical of CD lamb and say that he hasn't played like a number one this year, but I think that CD has all the skills to be a number one. Uh, and we'll it out, probably right? doesn't help that he lost his quarterback. So we'll see how that yeah. goes when he comes get, back.
3: You get the quarterback first before we make any judgments there. Um, Josh Reynolds, like they do have uh, talent on offense. They have scored a lot in games, but that's because they're getting the ball back rather quickly after giving up a touchdown on defense. This is back to what the Cowboys want in my estimation. That is a quarterback that stands there. Um, but they've had a bye week to prepare. They're not going to let Jared Goff sit back there for five seconds and stand in the pocket, right? They're going to try to get rid of the ball quick, but that's what the Cowboys, I think, I think you're going The Lions see have a good
4: back. offensive line.
3: Yeah, no, no, and, like the Lions offense has been fine. <laughs> it's been fine. Like, it's not probably not to the point of, well, yeah, maybe we can uh, keep Jared Goff around. They're probably going to look to upgrade there, but. I think they'll probably, obviously.
4: I think they probably want to see what he can do uh, when, with Jameson Williams, you know, when he comes back from that injury, you know, they spent a high draft pick on him, the yeah. Alabama wide receiver that uh, had the season ending knee injury. So uh, I think they probably want to see what they can do with that full, uh allotment there when they have all those guys healthy i don't just don't the offense isn't their problem it's that they just don't have enough playmakers on defense they need to draft defense and they could spend every draft pick on their defense and i don't
1: even think it would be a bad idea how do you put up like 30 38 points one week and zero points the next as an offense that that blew my mind yeah
4: belichick you have you have injuries um I don't know. I mean, Belichick's obviously a huge part of it, though, and obviously Dude. Bailey Zappy. You don't even know anything. You don't even know who <laughs> no, Bailey obvious. Zappy
1: is, man. Yeah, that's true. But the, Belichick the, finds the, him, man. Yeah,
3: yeah. And Belichick's art—he shut down Jared Goff uh, once before on a big stage. So to do it on sure. a small stage, you know, hey, that happens. Uh, how much leeway does Dan Campbell have there, John? I know it's just year two. Yeah, I get it. But look, one and four, and the expectations were a tad higher coming off of hard knocks.
4: Yeah, he'll get one more year. I don't think they'll fire him at the end of the season. I think he gets one more year just because. um, I think of a good way to describe it. You know how I said at the end of the Eagles game, how you can question a lot of things about maybe the way Howie Roseman drafts and things like that, but you can see. You always know or at least you have a good idea that they're gonna go for it, whether it's in free agency trades, stuff like that. There's nothing about the Lions organization that makes you think they're ever going for it. So to sit there and think that someone's gonna walk out there, whoever it might be from the Ford family and say, This guy's gotta go, I just don't see that happening because they haven't shown it. I mean, they stuck with Matt Mill in a good three, four years, well beyond that's it makes me I think of that all the time when people complain with how long Jerry stuck with Garrett, because that's not even close to being what the lions were with Matt Millen. They should have fired him a long time before that. I mean, it took the fans constantly complaining about it until it finally happened. They just don't move quickly on things like that. You know, look at, they probably should have got rid of Patricia before they did, you know? So, um, hey, I, but I they think got be, rid of
2: Jim Caldwell right on time.
4: Right. Yeah. The guy that they probably should have kept. <laughs> yes. Um, so I just, they're not an organization that moves quickly on these things. So I think he gets another year.
2: Yeah. I think also like, uh, again, talking about how these things go down, like, I know they lost 29 nothing to the Patriots, but their other three losses were three points, three points, four points, and including a three-point loss to the Eagles um, in the opening, and then they won a game. So um, I think there's definitely progress. It's definitely headed in the right direction, so that should buy them another year.
4: They haven't won right. a row game since 2020, so there's that.
2: <laughs>
3: there Man. is that. Brutal. <laughs> Kent, uh, you said you had a clip of audio from the uh, from Trayvon Diggs and, uh, Mike, uh, and Micah Parsons, correct?
1: Yeah, talking about Dak and 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 uh they were on the pivot podcast. And uh this is Micah talking at, at, at first and followed by Trevon.
0: He's sitting with this hand injury and he has never broken not a smile. Like
3: he's never once he come out to practice smiling. Yeah. He's getting his 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 uh rehab done smiling. Like I've never seen Dak sad. Facts. Like I've never seen him have a bad day. Facts. And he's always the first one in the building. Pre injury and post injury, still the first one in the building. There's
0: like I've never seen somebody like him.
3: Like Le- leadership wise, like it's it's
1: like you know, you know he's going to bring the team together. I haven't seen no drop off from when he was like playing until now. Like he's still bringing everybody together. Like he's still like he's still right there. He's still at all the practices. He's still right there. He's always talking.
3: He's still you know like he's still right there. Like his leadership skills is. Like you often see like most players, they get their injury, they come in do their rehab and they leave. That came to every practice. He stayed, they the all the film with coop. Like he broke every, like you just don't find that type of genuine yeah. love for the game anymore.
4: I thought it was interesting after the game, you know, obviously the Cowboys lose this close game to, uh, you know, their rival. It's got this, you know, a lot of implications on the division race and that. And, uh, if Dak was going to talk in front of his locker, everybody would have went to his locker after the game. He didn't even play in the game. And so when people did try to go over there, he said he didn't want to talk because he didn't say this, but it's pretty obvious. All these guys that just played the game, nobody would even be talking to them. They would just go right to Dak's locker. So we were able to get him after as he was walking to the bus. So there was like a handful of us and, and whatnot. So I just found that interesting, too, that he was aware enough to be like, I'm not talking in here because – of the optics of it, it just would look so bad, you know? Um, and he's been like that throughout this entire injury where uh, he's tried to not make it about him even though you are the Cowboys franchise quarterback. You're you're the clear leader of the team even when you're not playing. Uh, so, yeah, he's very aware of, of of all of that. I don't think you could ask for uh, a better leader or anything like that. So it doesn't surprise me. I listened to, I listened to that entire interview over the weekend. It's pretty good. It's uh, about an hour long with uh, Micah Parsons and Trayvon Diggs and they talk about a lot of different things from Dan Quinn to the defense, you know, making the turnaround. And then that towards the end was the stuff about Dak. I thought that was really good.
3: You know, I I saw another clip of a podcast and granted, these are two guys who are out of the game, but um, it was interesting. It was Richard Sherman and Marshawn Lynch. And they were talking about, uh, they were going to talk about Russell Wilson's struggles in Denver and Marshawn Lynch and Marshawn Lynch, like, hey, he's pretty unfiltered, right? But he was like, uh, look, if, if I rode with you and I can't even text you directly, I have to go through to your manager. It's like, that's messed up. He was basically calling Russell Wilson out for not ha- having, you know, being there, having phone numbers they could exchange. You had to go through Russell Wilson's manager to talk with him. Yeah. Um, You'll never see that with Dak. At least I don't think you will. I mean, no, I no, no, just, no, 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 no. It just doesn't seem like he, he would get down that way, you know?
2: This is the same stuff you hear about Tom Brady as well, how, like, despite him being, like, 45 years old, he's still putting his arms around the 23-year-old rookie. And, I mean, I thought the – remember when after he won the Super Bowl when he was up there literally naming every single player um, during the ring celebration or something like that? Like, the, the I, there's a, I, I see a lot of, like – leadership skills that that I always heard about with Brady and Dak as well
1: that's a quote that stuck out to me was I've never seen him have a bad day that's unbelievable to me if there's anyone who has a right to walk into that facility and say hey guys I'm just not having a great day today it's Dak freaking Prescott you know football life and personal life uh, you know included in the into that but like That takes a lot of leadership just to be able to put on the leadership face when you walk in that building and say, I'm the guy today. And to do that every single freaking day. Wow. In
3: 2034, if Dak is playing for the, um, let's say it's it's the Chargers, um, and he goes to Jerry's 92nd birthday party, then he misses a day of practice. How comparable would that be to Tom Brady missing a day of practice to go to Bob Kraft's birthday party? Sorry, side when you yeah. said Tom Brady, it took me. It would be the exact same thing. Out of. It would be the exact yeah. same thing. You're allowed to do it, right? Yep. You earned it. Yep. You earned it. That's amazing. Even without the rings. No. Got to have seven but rings. Six, I think that just to goes to
1: show why they're so eager to get Dak back. It's more than just obviously he's a talented quarterback, but he's so much to this team. It would it would take a lot for Cooper Rush to gain any kind of momentum in that locker room.
2: Yeah, but Cooper Rush doesn't have the personality to do not anyways. Not, in at any all. It's not like, even like not a, even close.
1: Ten percent, I don't yeah, th- no. think, but Cooper Rush's
4: personality is very similar to Kellen Moore's, where yeah. you can see that uh the mental side of the game, they're just they're on a way different level than most people. Like they just see it in a different way. And uh yeah, they just don't have like the big personality to to do a lot of those uh, rah-rah speech type things. Not that you have to do be the rah-rah speech yeah. guy, but I feel like from time to time, I know that Brady's. Some people are critical of him for yelling at those linemen over the weekend. I think that you have to do that when you have the skins on the wall that he does. Yeah, I don't think you can just go out there and be like, "Well, I warmed up. I'm ready to go." I ah, well, no four, no three and out. Oh well, all right. I did my best. You know, I think you do have to speak up a little bit and get loud from time to time. You got to be smart about picking your spots but you got to do it a little bit from time to time. Cause I mean, you're a player, you're not a coach yelling at guys on the sideline. I mean, as a player, you probably should basically, I didn't unretired
1: to get my ass beat. Yeah. So but you also
2: <laughs> you have to, you have to know who you're doing it with too. Like, you know, like forget Brady. Remember Peyton Manning, uh, the famous clip of him mic'd up going after Jeff Saturday. Like, you know, you can do that with a guy who you have that relationship with, but I think that's part of really good leadership too. I don't think Dak Prescott would go hard on Simi Fahoko, But I think he probably would go a little bit harder on, you know, whoever, Zeke. I think he'd go harder on Zeke than he would Simi Fajoko. I think that's part of being a good leader.
3: Mm -hmm. No, no, I think like all these teams, the best players always know. um, The best teams, they have a – it's hard to broad base this on 53 people and all that stuff. But coaches, players, they know who they are both on the field and off the field and, and consistency and all that stuff that crap matters with winning teams. And you have guys who are wild cards day in and day out or guys for instance like a Cooper Russ trying to uh, do too much. All that stuff, you know, turns into turns into, ends up being pretty problematic. All I know is you're you're about to get a, you know, a guy in Dak who's going to push the ball down the field a little more. Uh, the eyeball test is going to check out in more ways than one even though Dak doesn't really run the ball anymore. That uh, doesn't happen too much. But, like, you're going to see more zip on those uh, balls to the outside. At least I hope. I mean, we're assuming that we're getting uh, as close to the version of Dak as we thought we would have coming into this season. All those things are are going to change the way this offense is. I mean, this offense is in the back half of the league by far in points and yards. And that's, that's the thing that can hold them back. They need to get up there to the middle 15 to 12 to 10 offensively in some of those categories to really have a chance to go win a Super Bowl because we know we know what, what we know with the defense at least so far but hey Halloween of last year I'm I'm not oblivious to this and I think it's important that everyone you know gets gets checked here Halloween of last year this thing was looking pretty good right uh going into the, even that game and then Things and the second half crumbled in a way that became so hard to describe because of so many factors. But we're just one year removed from things. This time last year, kicking ass, feeling pretty good. Right now, kicking ass, feeling pretty good. Things could change really quickly in football. Football's weird, man.
4: Yeah. One other thing I wanted to say about Dak, though, coming back, it's one thing to he obviously saw in training camp and probably even saw last year, with the addition of Micah and Dan Quinn, that this defense was going another level. Trayvon Diggs, 11 picks. like, But it's another to see what they've been able to do over the last month or so. And this is clearly the best defense that Dak Prescott has ever played with. So I wonder how much that will impact him from a, just from a sense of, hey, these aren't some of the previous Cowboys teams I was on where I needed to throw and put up 30, 35 points for us to have a chance to win. Whereas now he can look at it from a perspective of man with this defense, if we go four and out, we go three and out, whatever. We, I we can move on, and as long as I don't put him in a bad spot, as long as I don't turn the ball over, I think that that can impact you. And, and just hey, you know what? I'm gonna take this safer throw. That's there, you know, on the second level. That 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 that, that throws open. I could probably get that in there. Might get picked. There are there is a safety over the top. I know I can fit that in there. But you know what? Let me take this underneath right here. Let's get five or six yards. You know, let's work some clock, keep the defense off the field for a little bit, let them get rested, and I'll take my shots here and there, as opposed to, man, I'm gonna have to throw it 40, 45 times for us to have a chance today. So I'm I'm interested to see how that kind of manifests itself now with Dak coming back because it's not about being game manager or oh, can he make the throws? I know we can do all that stuff. I'm just saying the way that they've been winning. Has been taking care of the football, not putting your defense in a bad spot, and he can certainly do that. So I'm interested to see how he how he performs now that he knows he has an elite defense on the other side of the ball with him.
2: Yeah, I do think as a quarterback, you do have you you change your style of play based on based on what's around you. And then you know, for earlier in Dak's career, it was okay. How how can I set up the pass based on the run because everything was centered around Zeke, and then he had to evolve and be like, okay, now we're passing to set up the run or passing, whatever. And, you know, knowing that you have a defense to rely on is also just a different style of play for a quarterback. And I think, you know, you just, it's, you know, it's funny, just to bring up Tom Brady again, a lot of people, when, when people look at him and especially, you know, I've experienced this with people who like watch our casual football watchers, they're like, he doesn't do anything special. Like he doesn't, he doesn't do anything crazy like Mahomes does or Rogers or anything like that but he just knows how to play. He just knows his personnel. He knows his system. He knows when to check down. He know, like, you know, you can't be offended by being labeled as Dink and Dunk Dak. Like, okay, fine. If Dink and Dunk Dak is what it takes to win, then that's what it takes to win.
3: Yeah. And, and, um, look, this is, it's all really exciting. And again, hopefully I want to remind everyone Tuesday nights when we recorded this. So Something happens Wednesday, Thursday, and it is Cooper Rush on Sunday. Don't be mad at us. Obviously, we'll have an emergency podcast if anything crazy happens. But it does feel like the plan moving forward is for Dak to return. I want to close it out with quick fun, real quick. I have the last twenty Detroit Lions Thanksgiving halftime shows. Okay, so they get the early game. So I have they the had back
1: one year, and people protest. Correct, didn't they? Kent.
3: Yeah. One point twenty eleven. So oh, nickelback. we're guessing them. Sure guessing all 20 you'll get there just keep going
1: uh, uh m&m
3: not Eminem. and
2: m madonna jack white
3: nope
1: no to both of those forever th- forever the sickest forever kids ftsk
3: okay you, are, you guys were a part of the 2009 motown thing kent
1: yes
2: wait wasn't last a year big sean that. Last year was Big Sean, right? It
3: was Big Sean, Sod. Yeah. Sod times okay, the I remember the last one. Okay,
4: There's not remember. A Aretha, just, is there an Aretha Franklin in there somewhere?
3: That was a national anthem, Uh, yes. Mm. But yes. Okay. Um, Fair. Sod actually, Big Sean did it in 2015 as well. So go ahead and Ooh. give Sod two points for that. Two points.
4: I feel like Does there was like, like, like a Detroit Motown. Titles? There had to be some like all old school Motown artists. Temptations. Oh, yeah, but it's it I don't like, think I can remember wh- where there's just been one. I feel like there's like a group of like several different older motown like like the Temptations but not just by themselves like they had some other, you know, Kid Rock came out. No, I'm just kidding. No,
3: uh, oh, Kid Rock was 2010 and 2012, John. There you go, two more points. They ran him back out in 2012. They were like, I mean, we'll 2010. We'll do it again.
1: Screw it. And they and they sandwiched <laughs> fake fake southern guys from Detroit
3: 2010 and 2012 was Kid Rock, and 2011 was Nickelback. So they sandwiched Kid Rock with Nickelback there, John. Uh, in 02, it was Bon Jovi. Uh, oh. 03, yeah. Mary J. Blige. 04, John Mellencamp. With or without the Cougar, I never know. Uh, 05, Mariah Carey went out there, and I heard that she uh, bitched about the sound. Um, 06, John Fogerty. Uh, 07, The Goo Goo Dolls. Look. Look. Everything they've done in the last 15 years is trash, but up until 2006, oh, Googly Doll's not bad. 08, Jesse McCartney. You Maybe remember that Big guy? Ones. Yeah. Yeah, he, uh, was like a, he was
4: like a like J- Paul McCartney's uh, nephew. He was, he was Justin Bieber before Justin Bieber.
3: <laughs> they took such negative feedback from Kid Rock, Nickelback Kid Rock, that the next two years they said, we're not even doing it. Here, bring in a marching band. I'm serious. <laughs>
1: Sounds yeah, they right. really did.
3: Twenty sixteen Andy Grammer. Twenty seventeen, Jason DeRulo. Twenty eighteen oh, Mike Posner. Posner, yeah.
1: Oh, Mishoda. Big Posner guy.
3: Big Posner what? guy. The Brothers Osborne. I've never I think they're remembered. like
1: a Jonas Brothers thing.
3: I'm not familiar with their work. Okay. And uh twenty twenty, your halftime act was COVID. Hmm. COVID. Oh, I got it. They didn't do it because they couldn't. have had fans. We didn't oh, fans. we got it.
4: That one was really that a hit was with the audience. Didn't so. have fans. That was definitely a joke. <laughs> that was definitely a joke.
3: <laughs> what was it wasn't, dude.
4: Ladies and gentlemen, on. COVID.
3: If I was doing jokes, it would go. At like, some hey, point, you... there
4: will be a na- band named COVID.
3: Yeah. Hey, have y'all have y'all seen a, a metal band, have y'all seen yeah. a lot of like Halloween decorations around your neighborhood?
1: I have not, no. I saw a car the other day driving through DFW that was shaped like a COVID uh, cell protein? or something. Yeah. <laughs> a protein? Like the entire car was shaped like that, and it was like mobile COVID testing. I was like, it's probably not the best way to advertise your company a giant coronavirus.
3: <laughs> man. Okay, let's do picks here. We got Kent two and four. You're in last place. You will go first.
1: Oh, man. I'm going Dallas for sure. I, I yeah, I'll be Homer guy this time. Give me Cowboys. Twenty seven seventeen. I can't believe it. You
2: This is exactly the <laughs> this score was, I
4: was gonna say. Really? <laughs>
2: okay. You Way take to go Romo. Yeah, uh, I'll go Cowboys thirty to twenty.
3: John Mashota, you are four and two. And in first place,
4: I will go 28 to 17 since someone stole my score. Cowboys, you're gonna prices right me. Yes, <laughs> okay.
3: I too am going, uh, Cowboys 31 20. I do think uh, we get into the 30s for the first time this year. Um, it's time if you're gonna do it, do it this week. Um, when oh,
4: real quick, when I say that it's gonna be 28 to 17. I wanted to be known that I would not be surprised if at some point it's like fourteen nothing lions. That would not surprise me at all. And then they still lose. It's almost like at halftime of the game on Sunday night, where I, I was kind of like, I don't think this is over. Just because if you follow the way that these teams play, that factors in, you know. And the Eagles have been a team that that's and I'm telling you, the Cow, the Lions are like that too, where they can get an early lead, but that doesn't mean anything. Now, there are also been some games where the other team's gotten an early lead and kind of taken their foot off the gas and the Lions have caught up. But I think the Lions can score points. I just, I don't think, I just can't see them stopping. I can't see them stopping the Cowboys offense, regardless of who's playing quarterback. Certainly not with, I mean, especially with Dak, even if Dak looks rusty, I, I, I think their offense yeah. will be
3: fine.
2: Yeah, I do think this is the game where the Cowboys probably get a defensive touchdown.
4: Yeah.
3: Yeah, I feel like we're all kind of on the same page there where it feels like, too, they're going to have a good chance to probably get a little pressure on Jared Goff as well. Um, I got
4: a little question for you, boys. I'm yeah. going to set an over-under at two return touchdowns, punt and kickoffs, for Cavante Turpin this year. Are you taking the over or the under? Actually, you know what? Scratch that. I'm going to set the over-under at one over one,
1: I'll think it has one total. So I'll take the, I'll take one, I guess.
4: So okay, I'll set it at one do. point. I'll I'll set it at one point five. Oh, okay. I'll
2: take Less. lower. Yeah, I'll take the under.
1: I think he breaks one off, but you know it's been hit and miss. It's been either he falls down for one yard or he gets you thirty. Like it's it hasn't really been the average of eight or twelve or whatever he might want. But yeah. I think I'll take the uh, potential to break one off over the other. Over just guy that catches it and gets four yards every time. So But you guys all think that he'll get at least one?
2: Yeah, I think he'll get one. I just think I just think the the fact that like, you know, if he gets one, then people will start kicking away from him even more because he already had the preseason reputation. So if he does break one, that'll be that. And then the second thing is like in special teams, all those freaking penalties, man, like yep. you always get like a stupid block in the back or something like that. So
1: Yep. He almost broke one this last
2: He game. did. Yeah, but he really but it came back did. on a block in the back. It yeah. came back on a penalty.
3: Um yeah, no, I think the odds would just tell you it's just so hard to do, right? So I mean two would be tough. But yeah, I think one boy, if you if you bet zero, uh you might have a chance to make a little money there. Because it doesn't feel like it's likely that you guys get one. But um Either way. Hey, it's been fun. We will talk to you Sunday afternoon. After a nooner. We got a nooner on Sunday. Cowboys, Lions, will the sun be involved? Always interesting. going to be like a weird 86 degree day on Sunday, even though as we record this, we've got a freeze warning tomorrow morning. Very strange times indeed. The pumpkin people are out. October's weird, man. Uh, for our producer, Kit Garrison, for Saad Youssef, covering those at the time of recording 3-0 Dallas Stars. And for Father John Mashoda, I'm Kevin KT Turner. We'll talk to you next time on About Cowboys. You know what high is? High means high!